The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening and thanks a lot for patronizing and also thanks a lot to all of our sponsors. So Bubba, you brought something up on yesterday's show that I went and Looked up. I had to have the number. You said that there's going to be a record amount of wealth transfer yep. from the baby boomers mm-hmm. over to um, to to the next generation right. over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's already begun. Mm-hmm. All right, because baby boomers born in '46 up through '64. Right. That means that somebody who's born in '46 is already up into their 70s, mm-hmm. and uh, a number of those people are beginning to go on to the to, to yep. the next roundup. Being promoted. Yeah, yep. and uh, so we've, we're already starting that wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up. You know how much money it is? Uh, all right, so I don't know how much, but I'm going to make a, a wild stab at it yeah. here. Give me a guess. I'm going to guess uh, $7.8 trillion. dollars 68 Woo, okay, I was way off. $68 trillion mm-hmm. is set to pass to the next generation mm-hmm. from baby boomers alone. Okay. $68 trillion. Now, a trillion... Has a lot of zeros. Yeah, yep. exactly. I mean, you start thinking about mm-hmm. it. A million has six zeros, mm-hmm. and a billion has nine zeros. Yep. One trillion has 12 zeros. Right, mm-hmm. And this is 68 of those 12 zero numerals. It's right. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, well, my, my grandmother's not going to leave me anything. But of those uh, baby boomers, there are a few million of those. Mm-hmm. If every one of them, you know, just had a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of net worth, What's, what's the demographic of the baby boom generation? I mean, it, estimated population of the baby yeah, boom. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Yeah. We'll look that up yeah. at the break because, you know, you start dividing that out by mm-hmm. the 68 trillion and, you know, you get an estimate of the average estate that will be passed by each one of these. Now, you know, there are the Bill Gates of the world mm-hmm. that are going to mess that up. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to skew the average and, and, you know, then there are people who they die uh, intestate without a will and without um, a whole lot of property in there but all that is calculated in in the average my point is that there's a lot of wealth transfer going to occur and i want to talk in today's show about what most people are doing whether they're one of the baby boomers and they have an estate and a legacy to pass on, or you're one of the heirs and you're anticipating this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about what people do and then what people should do. Okay. Because usually on 
each side of an issue or any issue that comes up, you got what people ought to do and you've got what people should do. Sure. You know, the, the rules of the road, we all know what we ought to do. We know about following the speed limit. We know about coming to complete stops at stop signs. We, we all know about driving in America on the right side of the road. We know in cities that you're only supposed to park in the same direction that the lane that you're leaving is is directed. But Unless you're in New Albany, then you just park wherever you want. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, a lot of Go other places. Yeah. You just pull across. Sure. You know, you see one available and you just whip over there. Uh, and uh, technically, I think you ought to be able to, you know, somebody ought to be able to write you a traffic violation for that. But uh, many times in small towns, we don't do that. We know the rules. We know what we're supposed to do, but we don't always mm-hmm. do it. So these baby boomers, millions of them, born in 1946 through 1964, we talked yesterday about how that they had it bred in them. They had it instructed to them to save, Mm -hmm. to invest. One of the reasons that the stock market is as large as it is and the float of the number of shares Mm -hmm. outstanding is where it is is because those people demanded financial assets to be able to save with or into. Um, And so do we have a real concern that the next generation won't? I, I have a concern about that. Okay. I, well, and, and my concern, here's where my concern lies. Uh, with the next generation, I'm afraid that the next generation won't save and invest to the degree that they should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means to provide for their own mm-hmm. uh, uh, retirements, to provide for their own college uh, education for right. their children mm-hmm. to to be able to stand on their own two feet and pay off their their own mortgages. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Because they're anticipating grandma leaving them some money. Right. Is that a temptation for most of us or for many people? I don't know if you would call it a temptation or a deterrent. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit of both. Right. It's a temptation not to save mm-hmm. um, because you anticipate receiving an inheritance. Right, right. But it's also a deterrent not to save because you know that you're going to get an inheritance. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Grandpa thinks he's doing me a favor mm-hmm. here. He wants me to have a better life than he did. And so he leaves me as a beneficiary. But mm-hmm. is that, as you said, a deterrent, a discourager to me standing on my own two feet and actually feeling good about myself and my own accomplishments? That's a really good moral, ethical question for us to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. And speaking of moral and ethical questions, you you become aware that Grandpa is a person of means, mm-hmm. that he's, you know, he's got a little bit. And I'm probably in the line mm-hmm. to be able to receive some of that. And we're going to talk about what most people do as a reaction to that knowledge and what people should do 
in the next segment here of the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you on Super Talk Radio. And so, Bubba, we're talking about the $68 trillion of wealth transfer that's going to occur between baby boomers and the next generation. So I, I looked at it yeah. over the break. Uh-huh. So $68 trillion that's going to pass from the baby boom generation on to the next generation. Right. Probably over the next 20 years. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't account for any market growth, anything like that, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Good point. Um, the baby boom generation is comprised presently of about 75 million people. Okay. But, All right. But those born between 46 and 64. Right. Okay. Pretty big gener- generation and population of folks uh, on a percentage level, that sort of thing. Of our total population of 350 to 400 mm-hmm. million, and, and how many did you, did you 75 say? 75 million. 75 million of mm-hmm. it is just that age group. That's right. Woo. So that equates to about $900,000 per individual in that age group. Now, obviously, there's going to be some folks in that age group that have billions of dollars mm-hmm. and other folks that have nothing. But mm-hmm. on an average, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'm careful 000. with that average word, right? Sure. But uh, $900,000 would pass. For each one of these individuals. For each one of these individuals. So if I married somebody mm-hmm. in that baby boom generation, if I'm a baby boomer, yeah. and I'm married, and I am, I was mm-hmm. born in the early 60s, right. before 64, mm-hmm. so yes, I'm in there, and I married somebody yeah. in there, so we should have 1.8. Theoretically, you should have 1.8 to pass on to heirs, Okay, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, before we went to break, you, you had this hypothetical situation where you had grandson who mm-hmm. was thinking about granddad who had this money, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so here's here's where the flaw is in that, uh, right? Right. Um, number one, you've got to be assured that granddad is going to leave you some money. Ooh. More than likely, he's going to leave it to his children, which are going to be your parents, Ooh. right? So sometimes I'm making an assumption mm-hmm. that may not come true very quickly. Um, you also have to be prepared for the fact that people are living longer today. Oh. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when my, when my little girl was, was born, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nerdy. So I mm-hmm. did the math on it mm-hmm. and actuarially, mm-hmm. um, which a bunch of fancy math, how long is she going to live? Assumptions right? and she lives with college educated people, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. And the assumption is that she's going to live to be on average 118 to 120 years old. And a lot of people don't realize that. No, not many people realize that. So people are living much longer, mm-hmm. right? Now, grad, granddad, born in this baby boom mm-hmm. generation, he may now not have known as much about saturated fats. Mm-hmm. And he may not have known as much about alcohol consumption and smoking and, okay. uh, and exercise mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But he's still probably going to live a fairly That's right. long life. I just assume that he lives to age 90. Right. Right? Right. Well, then you've got another child or, or other children who are going to inherit from granddad. And they're probably in their 60s or 70s. Well, not if yet. He's 90. Right. Well, okay. if, if he's 90, right? Right. right. But more than likely, they're going to live Another to about 100 to 105, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The child, mm-hmm. and the, the grandson in this case, is probably going to live for a much longer period of time. So we're talking about 60 years. 
So theoretically, the day I go to Granddad's uh-huh. 70th birthday party uh-huh. and I sit over in the corner and I'm just wringing Thinking, my hands. Oh, I'm about to cash in I, here. Yep. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be rich. Yep. May not happen that quickly. Is that what you're telling me? Well, in, in in my case, I'd probably say put me on an iron lung, keep me alive as long <laughs> as you can, just make those guys wait. Because <laughs> I see the greed in his eyes, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So number one, I think, and, and I know we see this all the time mm-hmm. in our practice and also talking with other financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys, and going to chancery courts and whatever, uh, we see human nature get involved in this we do so we get a little greedy we start assuming we start thinking hopefully nobody out there gets murderous intent about granddad Mm -hmm. all right but we start almost spending that money before we get it right all right now that causes sometimes some family friction doesn't Mm -hmm. because grand certainly granddad may become aware that you're suddenly a little overly enthusiastic mm-hmm. about you know certain activities or or his life or where his money is mm-hmm. you already start do we see that yeah people are already putting their nose into granddad's business mm-hmm. he only turned 70 right he still walks three miles a day. Mm-hmm. Leave his rear end alone. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, ooh, I think Granddad has money, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe Granddad starts thinking, you know, old Bubba over there. Yeah, I'm going to leave him something, but I ain't leaving it outright. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to that attorney about putting it in a trust or something yeah. and kind of controlling. Those things get involved. So I'm glad you brought that up because it it, it gets back to, I think, one of the big root problems that we've got here, right? Mm -hmm. The baby boom generation Mm -hmm. has $68 trillion to pass on over the next 20, 25 years, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And how many of them actually have an estate plan done? That's a good point. A really great point. You know... If you don't want this to happen mm-hmm. to your family, then maybe you start with putting your affairs in order. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So let's go back to that average couple. Mm-hmm. Husband, wife, both of them baby boomers. They should have about $1.8 million worth of net worth. Now, to a lot of people out there, that sounds like all the money in the world. Right. That's a heck of a lot. Yeah. But is it? unreasonable that somebody's estate husband and wife would add up to that uh it is not unreasonable at all and it's it's pretty easy to do really yeah let's do some math so a home of three hundred thousand one to two to three hundred thousand dollars all right uh maybe my grandmom and granddad worked yeah so maybe both of them had a 401k or a pension Mm -hmm. or some kind of asset there. Call that half a million dollars each. Mm-hmm. Well, You're at one point three already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if they're from that mm-hmm. generation that saved, they probably jumped into four hundred one ks when they came around yeah. at nineteen eighty. Right. I'll tell you one of the enticements for people in the baby boom boom generation for them. There's such a high participation in four hundred one ks for people in the baby boom, and you know why? Free money. Right. Where'd the free money come from? From the employer. Yeah. So I put a little money in. I don't pay tax Mm -hmm. on it. The employer puts some. I get an automatic maybe 3% to 5% Mm -hmm. raise. 
I'm not going to leave any of that on the table. Yeah. And so they, they're from that generation, you know, free is a big deal. From a dollar perspective, that's a 100% return on your money. If I put in three and you put in three, yeah. yes, sir. And the market didn't do anything for right. me. And then over the last few, you know, 40 or 50 years, mm-hmm. market's average pretty good for me. So there's another 6, 8, 10% mm-hmm. on top of it. Yeah, I could have. And mama could have mm-hmm. three, four, five $500,000 a piece. Right. Now, here's another thing about the baby boom generation. They were also taught to get themselves out of debt as quickly as they mm-hmm. could. Okay? Yep. So they probably had their house paid off by the time they were in their 50s. Right. Worked up into their mm-hmm. latter 50s, middle 60s. They may have worked 8, 10, 12 years without a house payment. Mm-hmm. What'd they do with that? Well, it went into ancillary savings. Yeah, it probably did. So in addition to having a home that has equity in it that's paid for of one to $300,000, and each one of us had the 401k mm-hmm. investment that was three to five hundred grand, and then we had ancillary savings or investments mm-hmm. on the side, and granddad may have been a tinkerer, so what did he do? He may have had a rent house on the side. Sure. Or bought a little farm and put a couple cows mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. I mean, when we start describing this, mm-hmm. do you think a lot of people listening thinks, you know, that sounds like my granddaddy. Right. Right. Huh? Mm-hmm. And then some of them have some life insurance left. Yeah. Is that thrown into the pile? It is. So it's- and, and years ago, it used to be a, a pretty hefty consideration when you were looking at estate planning. Okay. So right now, the, the annual exclusion, I think next year, an indexed for inflation is going to be 12.7. 12. 12. Yeah, 12.06 or something yeah, like that. Whatever right. the number is, but right. twelve over $12 million per individual. Per individual. So right. me and mom, that's over. Yeah. That's almost $25 yeah. million. I remember when the estate tax exemption was $600,000. I do too. Uh, and I think even $500,000 before they adjusted it. Uh, so, um, life insurance is, is absolutely one of those things that, that could really, um, uh, propel you into the next tax right. bracket, if you would, from an estate tax. So from a nerdy point mm-hmm. of view, let's talk about how that practically worked. Yeah. Within the last 25 years, mm-hmm. the amount of money that you could pass in your estate to the next generation without having to pay any estate tax has gone from about a half a million to, to 12, 12 million. million for each individual. Right. All right. When it was a half million and you had saved and you were doing well, mm-hmm. and let's say you were worth a million dollars and you knew you'd talk to your attorney or your CPA and they said, you can pass a half million free. And you're like, well, what happens to the other half million in my million net worth? It get taxed at 50%. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want your million to suddenly go to seven mm-hmm. or eight hundred thousand because the tax man got it. Right. So you ask, well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, you can go over to the side and we can do a little bit of engineering here of a life mm-hmm. insurance policy that will yeah. be there mm-hmm. that will come in and pay your family yeah. back for that tax. Right. So 
but but, it, but even back then when people did that, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. they would purchase the life insurance policy in their name, right, and then either their estate or a spouse was, uh, but because they were the owner of that, yeah, it was included. It was included. So the death benefit in many cases was right. included in your taxable estate. So even though you thought you were doing something to cover the taxes, mm-hmm. you just made your tax problem worse. It may, you may have, and if you didn't do yeah. the right kind of planning, mm-hmm. so we're going to go to a break and come back and talk about how that worked and how it's still having some effect on us here from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So Bubba, we're talking about a few years ago, this is what happened related to estate planning. You were worth a million dollars, but there was only $500,000 you could pass without taxes. Mm-hmm. So this other $500,000, you were aware you were going to pay 40 or 50% of that in some kind of estate tax. So you talked to somebody and they said, well, you just go get a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you go buy a half million dollar life insurance policy and you pay the premium Mm -hmm. and you own that life insurance policy it could be a term or a whole life policy and if you passed away you intended to have that insurance policy pay your family back for the taxes Mm -hmm. right right but you tell me that that didn't work sometimes it didn't especially if you didn't own the life insurance properly well how meaning that if you owned it in your name Right, mm-hmm. and it was attributable to your gross taxable estate at death. Oh, it was something I owned, just like owning my car or right. owning my house. So instead mm-hmm. of having that five hundred thousand above the exclusion limit, right, you had a million. So now you owe half a million in tax instead of the two fifty. Right. In the other example. So in in this case, had you made somebody else the owner of that policy or you made a trust the owner of the policy, it would not be included in your estate. extra step in the planning process. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So let's say that somebody had done that. Mm -hmm. 25 years ago, they'd come seen us. We'd told them how to do it. We created an irrevocable life insurance Mm -hmm. trust that would own that thing. And um, it was out of their estate. Right. So... In my example, make the math Mm -hmm. easy. Let's say their estate had not grown any at all. Mm -hmm. All right. And they had a million dollars as a gross estate. And they had at that time, they they died a few years ago when it was 500,000 that they could Mm -hmm. pass on without any tax. And the other 500,000 was going to be tax. Mm -hmm. And if that occurred and they had to pay 250 in tax, hopefully the life insurance is at least 250, Mm -hmm. maybe more. And it comes to then to your family, mm-hmm. and they get the whole million dollars. That was kind of That's the right. plan here. Over time, that five hundred thousand you can pass has grown mm-hmm. up to over twelve million. Now. Right. But there are some people they own that life insurance policy way back there. Right. And maybe they haven't consistently consulted anybody or maybe they're like you know i can afford the premium mm-hmm. and that's just another half million dollars i can pass on sure. plus it's got some cash value because i bought a mm-hmm. whole life or or universal, universal life, life or, or whatever yeah. policy and so that so now that thing has grown that that insurance policy in that islet that irrevocable mm-hmm. life insurance trust and now there are some people who still have those from 25 years ago. Right. We run in, into it mm-hmm. from time to sure. time because the premium wasn't that unreasonable. That's right. 25 years ago, and it was a whole life thing, and so, you know, probably keeps that premium pretty consistent, so I just kept paying it. And now, in addition to Grandpa and Grandma 
having these 401ks and the, and this this house mm-hmm. and all these other holdings they got this half million dollar thing that's going to go to somebody right right now we don't have to worry about that as much because 12 million dollars mm, about 1% of the estates in America mm-hmm. are over 12 million dollars right so not that many people have to worry about this anymore yeah. But they keep playing political football with that number, don't they? They do. There's talk of repealing it and make, making it $5 million again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's talk of leaving it alone. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on who's in Congress mm-hmm. uh, at the time who's, who's going to make that decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what we're talking about is the amount that you can pass mm-hmm. on in your estate without having to worry about that 40 to 50% tax that at estate tax on right. the excess mm-hmm. um so if you're aware that grandpa and grandma have this 1.8 million dollars mm-hmm. and the greed bug bites you we've talked about the fact that sometimes you start doing things that are incorrect sometimes you get a little nosy sometimes um, you start spending the money before it even happens. Uh, sometimes that is a disincentive for you to save at all. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, you point, made a good point. Because what did grandmother and granddad do? Mm-hmm. They had children, right? Mm-hmm. So even when they pass away... It probably won't go directly to you. It won't go directly to you. And it's probably going to be split. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the average is somewhere like two point three, two point four children. So you're looking at about seven hundred grand yeah. per child, right? right? On average, right. right? Right. So we've spent a fair amount of time talking about how people incorrectly respond mm-hmm. to this knowledge. How should they respond? Well, so, first of all, let's talk about mom and dad or grandparents. Grandparents. Grand, you so said they should have a will. They should have a will. They should probably have an estate plan. They should. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe trust or, or part of that. Okay. A number of different planning issues okay. that they would All right. would have. And they need to talk about to mm-hmm. somebody about taxes. They need to talk about legacy. They need mm-hmm. to talk about charitable giving. Yeah. They, they need to talk about all this. And more importantly, they need to review that at least every three to five years. Oh. Because tax laws do change. They do. Right? Look they at do. what's happened over the last 20-something years mm-hmm. going from half a million to 12 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the planning that you did twenty years ago is probably not sufficient for today's. It may not time. be, and who knows? Next week, whatever you've done this week yeah. might not even be sufficient. Yeah, or the next couple months, because mm-hmm. Lord only knows what's going to happen with these midterm elections. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. and so the attitude in Washington may may change. Sure. Right. So. That's from the grandparents' point of mm-hmm. view. There's a number of stuff that they need to be doing. We've done lots of shows on that. What about from the grandchild's point of view? What should they really do morally, ethically with this knowledge now as opposed to those two or three things that we see them doing that's probably not right? Yeah, unless they know specifically and, and have seen it in writing that Ooh. their parents are going to be bypassed in Ooh. any way. They, they need to be aware and be prepared uh, that they're not going to get anything for quite some time. You're saying cool your jets. Cool your jets. Huh? And they need to get back to basics and start mm-hmm. saving some money in their own 401k. Because mm-hmm. who knows? You know, their parents may be uh, spendthrifts. Oh. 
Oh, they may be. Mm-hmm. Which means they may go through what Grandpa leaves them. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that happens. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about the children of baby boomers that we talked earlier about. Mm -hmm. Now, those children of baby boomers, they may have been aware for years, young man. You're just now becoming aware of it in your 40s and 50s when you're the grandson. Mom and dad may have been aware that grandparents were wealthy years ago. And they may have their own designs on this money. Sure. And if that is true, you may not get anything. The second point that I think people need to take in consideration is anything you inherit, you need to consider it as gravy mm-hmm. over and above. Yeah. First of all, cool your jets. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I, I, I think you need to be standing on your own two feet and you need to be doing your own saving and building your own legacy and having your own estate and giving your own gifts to charity as opposed to helping or hoping that somebody else is going to help you out and, and do some of, some of this. So I made a point just a moment ago related to this passing on of wealth and from the point of view of the grandparents and them doing it right. One of the points I made was charitable giving. If you haven't, as you said, haven't seen the documents, do you know how much of this Grandpa's going to give to St. Jude? No, you don't. Do you know how much he's going to give to his favorite university? Do you know how much he's going to give to his church or synagogue? Mm-hmm. Unless you've seen the documents, you're just assuming that you guys are going to get it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because I tell you, a lot of churches, a lot of charities, and a lot of institutions and schools have done a good job mm-hmm. of convincing people that, you know, just name us in your estate plan for 10%. Mm-hmm. Now, my example of $1.8 million, 10% is how much? 180 grand yep. may go to a church mm-hmm. or a charity or an institution. That's 180 grand you're not going to get. That's right. Huh? Yeah. Another thing I think. Imagine if you could, though, that every one of these uh, baby boomers out there left 10% of their estate to a charity or a, or or a college. Oh. Oh. Just think. Because uh, 10% mm-hmm. of, what did I say, 68 $6. trillion? $6.8 trillion left. Yeah, yeah, six point eight trillion going to your favorite college. Six point mm-hmm. eight trillion is going to be split up among churches and synagogues and institutions around the country or around the world. Uh, imagine the legacy that mm-hmm. that can create. And as we're talking about it here, the reason that we can talk about it so passionately or use the words as we use them is because we have heard <laughs> the fundraisers of these institutions and these ch- churches do this in presentations. And they do a really good job of convincing people with means that, hey, you've been blessed. You need to pass it on in right. some way mm-hmm. other than just give it to kids who are going to buy Bentleys mm-hmm. with it. Correct. Huh? Uh, and, and there are a number of people who have that attitude and have, have thought about it. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, there are a couple more things that I think, from your point of view as this grandchild, you need to do and can do morally and ethically to help this process as opposed to being greedy and hindering the process at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. <laughs> 
Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, we're talking about this transfer of wealth, the $68 trillion uh, transferring from baby boomers to the next generation, and how people react, uh, the children and grandchildren, and also sometimes these baby boomers correctly and sometimes incorrectly. And I, I want to leave this discussion on a positive note, all right? So let's talk about um, new wealth. You've never been rich before. You never had money before. You know, they their television shows, their reality shows mm-hmm. of this. You know, uh, my big fat lottery mansion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And people do gaudy things. They do. People just blow money and don't realize the real value of the dollar. I mean, it, it, sometimes do you watch these things and you see people with new wealth just almost do things that are embarrassing? Uh, absolutely. The way they spend, uh, the consumption mm-hmm. that that they that they have, and, and I know this almost sounds like a, a moralistic, ethical uh, mm-hmm. thing, but I'm talking about on a practical basis. Dollars for, and mm-hmm. for dollars... Uh, Half the people who win the lottery say they wish it never happened. Right. Why? Because sometimes it breaks up families. That breaks up families. Um, you know, the, they call it the curse of the lottery. Mm. Right. And usually, um, in, in many, many cases, uh, people wind up broke. Yeah. Because they've got uh, not the right advisors around them. Mm. They're spending way too much money on things that they don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, things that have maintenance and, mm-hmm. and costs associated with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got family coming out of the woodworks and you think you can support everybody mm-hmm. and help everybody. Right? Think, you know, a posse costs a lot of money. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it just doesn't happen to lottery winners. But it, it happens to... People who inherit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've been struggling really hard working down at the factory, and my wife works out at the school, and, and we're, we're making ends meet, but we're yeah. really not rich. And all of a sudden, Grandma dies and leaves me a million dollars. That's all the money in the world mm-hmm. to me until it's not. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen it occur and happen. Really? Somebody inherits money, mm-hmm. and within two years, five years, ten years... Mm-hmm. That money's gone. All right. So from a positive point of view, what should I do? Kind of prepare myself for being wealthy. Mm-hmm. If I think grandpa's going to leave me money, yeah. instead of anticipating how many Rolls Royces I can buy mm-hmm. and how many gaudy mansions I can get, what would be a positive attitude related to that? I, so I'm going to take a, uh, a uh, you know a play from the playbook of some some mm-hmm. NFL players, okay. right? All right. And I think this is a, a really good example. There are, uh, and we've talked about them, right? Mm-hmm. Those NFL players who have not taken and used any bit of their salary. What? Yeah. So they they get drafted into the NFL. They've got contracts making millions of dollars a a year, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And there is a club in the NFL, they call it a club, right, of individuals and players who have not spent any of their salary that they've earned from playing football. Now, they use endorsements and other things Uh, for their – Signing bonuses, that sort of thing. All that kind of thing. But their regular salary, they try to live on their signing bonuses Mm -hmm. and their endorsements. Correct. 
So I, I think the same would apply, right? Okay. I think for uh, Generation X, the millennial generation, whenever they inherit these things, mm-hmm. try to live on your own. Uh, Let everything else be gravy to you. Okay. Right? All right. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a really good point. I need to see all of that as gravy. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the attitude and the appreciation for the position that you have been granted. Mm-hmm. See, in this situation, in this example, you didn't earn it. There are a lot of people right. have, who have earned their wealth. Yep. But in this, this situation, you got it the old-fashioned way. You, you inherited it. So that position of being wealthy, mm-hmm. is there some sort of responsibility I have? Is, is there some sort I, of attitude I should have? I think there's something that, that goes along these lines. To whom much is given, much is expected, uh, right? Okay. All right, so I need to be aware of charitable opportunities mm-hmm. around me. Right. I need to be aware of those who are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. I need to be aware of maybe some financial instruments I've never been exposed to. Right. Because if I go back to my example just a minute ago, I've been working at the factory. The wife's been working at the mm-hmm. school. We've just barely been able to make ends meet. We're honorable people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get a master's degree in economics, and I didn't invent something. I, I, I'm a good, hard-working, red-blooded American. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a whole lot of wealth. Right. All right? Do you think I know what equities are and you, what annuities are? You probably don't. Really? The average person mm-hmm. probably doesn't have yeah. the financial literacy they need yeah. to? That is, unless they've been listening to this show yeah, for the last right. 10 years. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. We're we're trying to make a difference right. in that, mm-hmm. right? So there may be some education mm-hmm. that I need to afford myself. I need to know what a charitable remainder trust is and a charitable mm-hmm. lead trust yeah. and an irrevocable life insurance. I need to learn some of this. I, I would say that you may, okay. right? I think that more importantly, you need to find uh, advisors who can help you okay. do that. Right? One step at a time. Because you're not going to be an expert in all these matters all at once. <laughs> no. uh, you know, obviously, if, if you don't know anything about it up until this point, right? Yeah. Now you can learn. Everybody yeah. can learn things. Absolutely. Right? And I should have some in- interest in learning. But having a qualified advisor, whether that be a CPA, a financial planner, an attorney, probably a combination mm-hmm. of, of a number of different advisors right. who can help guide you mm-hmm. in that process, right. I think is the most important. Because right. there may be things, like you said, like a charitable remainder trust. That might not even be applicable to you. It may not. But it may be the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Especially for my mother, that may be the first person who inherits from grandma. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't even know what those things are mm-hmm. if, if that's who I've been. I've just been going to yeah. work, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't take a lot of finance classes. That's not an interest of mine. And all of a sudden, somebody tells me, you know, hey, in the next few years, you're going to inherit a million dollars. Before I allow myself to go already spend the money on a lake home mm-hmm. and already get myself the F-250, not the F-150, right. mm-hmm. and already you know, update my house. And, and before I do that, I probably need to be prepared to handle it. That's right. All right? Now, you say that I need to surround myself with a group of people, Mm -hmm. probably advisors. Right. Do you really suggest more than one? I I think for a proper uh, investment plan, estate plan, 
financial advisory plan to work right, you're going to need a number of experts in your life. Yeah, because here's something that we have found that happens a lot of times to people who come into new wealth. They don't even understand that there's a thing called quarterly estimates related to the IRS and Mm -hmm. your taxes. Sure. And you need to understand how that works. You need to understand what dates in the calendar uh, are important. You need to understand that, you know, a CPA may be able to not only uh, help this go more smoothly, but a CPA may keep you out of the pokey. That's right. uh, there, there are none, a number of reasons why different expertise mm-hmm. are required. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you've never never had cancer before. Mm-hmm. You've been rocking along, life's good. Okay? And all of a sudden you get that diagnosis. Something's not working right in your body. You go to the doctor, and the doctor uh, tells you you need to go see a specialist, mm-hmm. and that specialist tells you you need to have these tests. And the next thing you know, um, you're dealing with something you never dealt with before. Right. Right? And I'm not saying that inheriting money mm-hmm. is, is, is like having cancer, but it could be. Could be. Uh, it, it could eat at you. Mm-hmm. It could be extra stress and anxiety. It could get you in trouble. It could come between you and your family, as we see happening mm-hmm. with a lot of people who uh, win the lottery. So you have had this diagnosis. Well, you go back with what I just said. You started with your general practitioner. Mm-hmm. Then you went to a specialist. Then you got the lab involved. Mm-hmm. Then you got a pathologist involved. Right. Then you got an oncologist involved. And you probably want all that because you want to get over the big C. Exactly. The same thing is true related to newfound wealth. Mm-hmm. You probably want a CPA involved in your life if you've never had one before. Yeah. You probably need an attorney. Mm-hmm. You probably need a financial advisor and an investment advisor. You, you, you Yeah. You probably need to want that just like you want all these other specialists. And, and I would even argue that if you're a financial advisor, a CPA, or an attorney that comes into this world, you probably need advisors too. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Because what they say about the attorney who has himself as a client. Yeah, he's his own fool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we want, don't want that to be um, the case for you. From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the 
the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.